Right, welcome to another episode of Agile on Air. And uh, we're your Agile coaches from Ad Agility. I'm going to introduce them. Uh, we have, on the far end, Stephen McKenzie. I'm uh, an Agility coach with Ad Agility. Phil Cutcliffe, the same. Oh, I am as well. Amazing. And we're all three here talking about long-lived teams today uh, because we are a long-lived team, aren't we? Well, are we? How long we'll, have we been together? We will be. <laughs> we will be. <laughs> well, no, I, I feel that I have recently joined a long-lived team, so that's fine. That's good. It's helpful to talk about what we mean by a long-lived team in the context of agile working, and, and I guess yep. specifically product delivery. Is that our context here for this conversation? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's or, the, or uh, any team really. Uh, uh, and when well, we yeah, talk it doesn't have to be product. I mean, the, sorry, we're already going off topic. But even if you're talking about a sports team, long-lived teams a good thing, right? Yes, it is. But I think there's an implication when we're talking about long-lived teams in the product delivery context, which is that we are bringing work to the team, and we. When that work is delivered, we will bring new work to that team rather than bringing um, money for a project and then spinning up a brand new team to deliver that project and then disbanding that team. Yeah, I think I'm glad you covered that because that is what that's really what we're here to um, espouse the virtues of because I think all of us truly believe and we have seen the problems when you spin up a project team to do a specific set of outcomes and then you ramp them down they disband they take all the knowledge elsewhere you're left with a code base that was uh, because we're really talking largely about software development here um, where you need the continuity of care of a long-lived team to ensure that you have quality ongoing so that you keep that cost of future development down. And we strongly believe that if you just spin up a team to purely achieve a business outcome and then ramp it down, that that team will not care as much about the longevity of your software product as the team so, that so is So I think you're saying, to, uh, if I was within this team, you're saying you build it, you will support it. You build it, you'll run it, you will not only take care of delivering the features that the customers need, but you will also take care of the stuff that's under the hood that people can't see that actually is so important when it comes to their quality and your ability to deliver value quickly on that product in the because future. Because I will make different decisions if I believe I will be building on top of this in the future. Yeah, if you or, know, well, yeah, or my, or my close friend Phil, or, or, or you, Dan, <laughs> yeah. because we're a team. Yeah, and, and that's, I'm glad you, you kind of put that in a personal context because actually that's one of the things with long-lived teams, isn't it? It's like you get that time... We took we 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 approached this tablet this topic when we talked about small teams and it's about developing those relationships, developing the trust, and also getting that time to um, know each other's strengths and weaknesses 
and be able to really effectively work as one unit rather than a collection yeah. of individuals. And, and that's different. So, so yeah. there's the, um, the assumption that if you can, you, you would expect a team to support what they build and you would maintain the team rather than moving the product to a maintenance team. Yeah. But then even if we expect completely new work to come into the team because perhaps there is no support or maintenance job to do, it's still been helpful to us to keep the team together. Yeah, because it's about, you know, um, there's a lead time to team effectiveness. And there's various models that point to this. It's not just mm -hmm. one. It's, so you're, you're keen on the storming, forming, norming, performing. Yes. And I've, I quite like the Katzabach and Spith model which is where you start off from what they call a working group which is just a collection of individuals that you know they can actually perform individually well and you know that's great but um as they work together they go and have less performance as a team because there's obviously those interactions gaining the trust and they don't really know each other and and, and that initial part of it is it is about trust I think, and breaking down those barriers so that you become a team that trust each other and understand each other, and then you can get to a stage where you go from what Catapatch and Spith call a pseudo team to becoming a, you know, a real team. Yeah, and I, and I love examples outside of software, as you know, <laughs> yeah. and you see that in sports teams, you know, they, they take a long time to, to gel and find their form. You can't just throw yeah. a number of top players together, um, right, go. No, it's, it's, not, like, it's not going to it, work. It's like with England football, isn't it? You know, you had these kind of like top top strikers, top midfielders in the world for for quite a while, mm. and you thought, oh my god, we've got the, these players are good. They're like in they're they're in the in the Premier League, which is like the one of the most accomplished leagues in the world, and we put them all together on a national team, and we think, well, they should perform, but. They didn't. Because England was not a long-lived team, perhaps. It, it was just something that only existed for the few lot, months before the competition. Yeah. 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 Because there's value in an effective culture and there's value in the trust that's built up, that, that built up the, the relationships between people. Social capital. And it's massive value. Yeah, it's massive value. And, and you, shouldn't, you shouldn't disband teams that perform well. It's just crazy. Like, with that, if, you if you take that old project, me project method that project mentality and spin up and spin down teams. And if you spin up a team and then you, you've invested all that time, mm -hmm. like years and, you know, a year or two to get them working really effectively together, and then you just, you just disband it, then you have wasted massive amounts of cash. I, I see it, I see it. I, I see um, companies' funding cycles. There's often what dictates this. Right, so, yeah, the whole yearly oh. annual planning you know, shenanigans. They, they, they get funding for a year. Great. They finally get signed off and they've got, they've got 11 months to build a team, do the thing they're going to do, um, and then, then hand it over to someone else. And all, all the behaviours that, that, that drives in a, in a temporary team. Um, and then at, at, at the end, the funding goes, the team disappears, the knowledge disappears. Um, and sure enough, those individuals will often pop up again the next year, exactly yeah. the same people, but doing something completely different. <laughs> and you think, 
why have you why have you done that you know how how much time effort and money have you you now spent learning the, the system spinning up the team learning how to work together yeah because that's that's another thing that i think people there's, there's not just the team interactions and uh, and the, the the social bonds that we're talking about and that trust it's about uh, it's about the, the the material that you're working on right so code is inherently complicated and um, you know if you put somebody onto a team get them a, an expert in a particular code base so that they understand it fully and then you just disband that team and send them off somewhere else it's like oh my god what you've done with that knowledge now you've yeah. wasted it you've wasted all that time learning that that particular particular uh, yes. you know, part of the system and every system's unique but it, well, it's not just it's not just about the, the technical knowledge of the code that you might have built last month or last week because actually as a developer I forget that stuff quite quickly <laughs> uh, and I have done yeah <laughs> uh, but it's about learning how to collaborate with Dan or learning how to collaborate with Phil you yeah know, I just know that Dan's probably not going to be in at nine o'clock on a Monday or or <laughs> what <are> you say <laughs> <laughs> or, or that Phil's going to be grumpy on Tuesday yeah. I, I, but but you know, or, or, you know what, what time is best to call upon me and and um, what to expect and and how best to collaborate Th those are massively um, yeah undervalued um, aspects of a team yeah, I, I agree. It's a combination of both. It's being the experts in delivering the particular product that you're delivering and the knowledge of the product and its intricacies and its uh, you know, idiosyncrasies and also the social The idiosyncrasies team. of the culture <laughs> of the team. The, which idios is the idiosyncrasies, the human idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 we know that in this team we try and get mornings free just for personal work or you know yeah. working on individual contributions and then perhaps we were collaborating more in the afternoon or or some other yeah cultural aspects of work in our team yeah yeah mm. yeah we've we've touched a bit on on build it and run it as well and the idea that you know if you have to maintain what it is you're building because you're, you're you're a long-lived team um you know I'll use the non-software example again. If we were a team in charge of uh, building and then maintaining a fence, you'd, and we're going to have to look after this fence for the next 10 years, you're going to put a little bit more effort into maintaining that fence versus, Dan, you've got to go and build a fence. You're paid per fenced post. Yeah. Um, and once you've built that fence, you, you will can, never see it again. And you can leave and go to another country. Well, so yes, success is, 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 is 12 posts. Yeah. Off you go. Here's an interesting thing. I own a fence. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure a, that's an interesting thing. It, it's, about, it's about two metres yeah. long. I didn't build it. Can you tell me something boring? Right? Well, no, so, but, no, I just, to, to, okay, so... Yeah. Phil, you were suggesting that I should have built my own fence. You, you were suggesting I would have a better quality fence if I built my own fence. I, and so, actually, I wanted to touch on one person should be in one team. Can, can I be in more than one team? Because I reached out to somebody else to help me build a fence. They built a fence for me. But they had a conversation with me, and for a brief moment, we were a team. 
I think you can be in a team of teams. Um, you can get the odd person in to collaborate in your team with you. Who like brings a fence specialist or, or a database specialist, perhaps? Or oh, okay, yeah, I see, I see ah. where you're going. Oh, that was a roundabout way of getting to this point. <laughs> no, but I, I, I get it, right? So what you're saying is, can you have all the people that you need within that single team all the time? All the time. When, all right, in software, in software development, you evidently need to bring different people in at different times. Um, so, for example, good example is uh, security people. So they don't, they're not generally a permanent part of the team and they probably shouldn't be either. Uh, but you will need to engage with your security department within your organization to make sure that you, you, know, you dot the I's, cross the T's, and make sure that your application is secure and you take their knowledge and push their knowledge within to your pipeline building uh, software products that are gonna be secure in the real world, right? So, so and, and it'll be things like that, and you know, it might be things typical, other typical things are infrastructure as code. Sometimes you don't have that knowledge within the team and you are looking at kind of environmental specialists. So there are, there are many specializations that you yeah. might not have in your team. Um, yep. legal compliance yep. um, content creation yeah graphic editing perhaps you depending on your usual work and perhaps a, a piece of work that we get yeah so often we have these flow to work resources or pooled resources or teams of specialists who have a backlog of support requests so do we consider them primarily to be in the team of content editors or compliance specialists or front-end special or infrastructure as code specialists or do we consider them temporarily to be in the context of the team that they are supporting so I would I would like with stuff like that that they could come into a team um, say a, a security specialist as, as a good example um, and then show the team what they need to do for security so the team then owns security long term and that that knowledge is shared yeah so th this is good actually comes like to enabling enabling <laughs> well that's it yes. that is um team topologies actually they've got four different team types now most of the teams are aligned towards um value so delivering value to a particular customer and they call them stream aligned teams as in aligned to a value stream right and they've got that they say that should be the dominant team type um which it should be but you need to accept within an organization, particularly big organizations, you are not gonna get everybody on the single team to deliver exactly what you want and you will need to bring other people in at times. So they have other team concepts. So that, like you said, they've got the concept of an enabling team. Now, if you are a, um, if for example, you're taking on a new technology, for example, you're taking on APIs, and you've never done APIs before, and you, you, you need skills in a particular API gateway, you might decide that you cultivate those skills in a particular team within the organization so that you get your standards sorted and you, um, and you have a base to work off. But what you want to do is then you want to 
spread out that knowledge amongst the teams that are gonna have to use it, the streamlined teams. So you'd bring the enabling team in to work and collaborate with that streamlined team to get them up to speed with the new technology because streamlined teams are usually focused on what's in front of them, which is usually what the product owner or, or somebody who, who wants a particular requirement has put right in front of their nose. And they don't have the bandwidth to think about taking on new technologies. So the enabling team can help uh, bring that new knowledge into the team and get them up, get them ready, get them started with the uh, with the premise that they will leave and leave that team to be self-sufficient in the long run. Yes, important concept. Especially, you know, modern 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 software environments very complicated. You need lots of different yeah. people, lots of different skills, and you need to have I'm constantly changing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you need to have like, um, you know, I think I think one of the things about Scrum is that. Uh, a lot of the kind of you know disciples of Scrum are so focused on this like cross-functional team that can do everything. I think it's very rare you find where you can just have one team that can do everything. Maybe you can in a small organisation, but when you start to get into complex microservice environment, it never happens. And so you need to have you need to have a strategy in which different teams can interact with each other. Yeah. You need there, to there really a, think a, about a, that. A level of unfamiliarity where I, I move from doing the job slowly yeah. to just not being able to do the job, job at all. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. where, ideally, I, I, I bring in somebody to enable me to do it, or yeah. perhaps I work with a specialist for a shorter period of time. Yeah, and I think this is the major challenge for management these days. If you know, because actually, when you've got when you've got a small organisation, you can have one team that can just do everything. That's an easy thing to manage, right? Where you've got a very complicated environment, and you need lots of teams to coordinate to deliver one uh, one piece of business value. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Add agility, keeping you in the dark again, right? <laughs> Where were we before that rude interruption? Right, so, um, yeah, big complicated environments. You need, uh, the, the challenge for management, the main challenge today is to be able to coordinate activity across different teams. And anybody who says there's no place for that um, is, I think, a bit naive about modern complicated uh, systems. So I, I will ask the naive question then. So uh, could the role of management be to create structures that allow yeah. a more effective self-organisation or collaboration? M massively so. So you can arrange teams really badly. Mm. So, that so that you need the coordination role. So that you need somebody to tell this team to support that team. Well, so you can tie things together really yeah, badly. And I'm yeah, not saying yeah, that yeah. that's an aim or an aspiration, yeah, yeah, yeah. but what you, what you can, if you, that there is a way of setting up the organization such that it needs a coordination manager. Yeah. yeah. Well, and as soon as you've well, employed a coordination manager, you've institutionalized coordination as a, a problem in that organization. Long, to, to bring the, the focus on, on long-lived teams. Yeah. Is, is that, yeah. People like the idea of long-lived teams, but actually putting the the environment in place to enable it, yeah, is it is is, is a, a mass, ma massive one. And and the thing is, right, if you're going to form long-lived teams, um, which 
let's face it, in code, in in the in 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 with a modern DevOps mindset, um, teams own code, right? So if you think about the modern software environment, just something we do every every day, click and collect, for example, um, you are putting your order in on a website, which will be one code base, you are picking up in a store, another code base, a till system, whatever. Teams own code, and it's a management challenge to coordinate between them. And you want to have a long-lived team based around the code. There's no doubt about that. Own the code, continue to care, make sure you're looking after it. So you have to basically form an environment in which the right teams talk to the right people at the right times and they've got those inter-team connections. I wonder if we'll be talking about value streams and servant leadership soon, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Value streams, don't mention value streams. Um, so I don't hide, I have a, I have a bit of a cheat list. Uh, we've covered a lot of the topics we want to talk about. Is there anything else we want to cover on yeah. long-lived teams? Should we move people around teams? Sometimes. <laughs> You're looking for a more detailed answer. Yeah, so what, I think when what, we're saying a, long, a long-lived team, yep. in, in principle that, that, that team persists for a long time, but the actual makeup of that team may change over time. So yeah. we may need to bring in certain skills. We yeah. may need to let certain skills go. It might be that teams expand and yeah. split into multiple teams. It may be they need to shrink and maybe multiple teams get merged into one. But the, the, the principle is there are individuals um, who have that continuity of care yeah. and that, that tacit knowledge, that, that understanding. Yeah. I think you have to assume that people will move you. The, the football team analogy, the Manchester United team of today is different from that of the 1980s. But what about self-organisation? Is that something that only happens within a team or can that happen between teams? Oh, I think it's got to happen between teams. If you So it, as it, an individual, I can say, actually, this product is no longer the place for me. The interesting work or the best place for me to offer my value is in another I'm team. I'm not sure you can have like chaos like that. But, it, you know, in terms of if you're in a team and you have interactions... You should be free to have interactions with other teams. So the worst part... So we're all enabling teams because we can all go and support our colleagues in another team. Yeah, or you can be, you can be, uh, to, to you can be stream, value yeah. stream aligned and still you know, be talking to each other. Yeah. But I think the thing is, um, if you have to ask your manager to go and put, to, 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 to verify an idea before taking it to another team then you're in an organization that is truly screwed, right? Uh, if, if it's got to be a Roman candle, then it's like, it's properly not the right, it's not agile. And I think to cultivate a team of teams, which is basically a bunch of people who are in their teams and, who, and those teams can work effectively, you probably need a bit of cross, you need to force a bit of cross fertilization because it's very easy and very comfortable to stay in the right, in the team that's performing well and you've built up all those relationships but what about experiencing 
a different team and seeing how they work. And then when you do that, you kind of know what the problems of that other team are and what they're experiencing and can and you've also got those connections in the team that you've been in so that you you can have that more more inter-team cross fertilization but i think organizations to do it should do it very deliberately they should keep the team stable and maybe every quarter they rotate somebody out put them in another team so they can, can try that and and get a bit of a, a mix mm. going to cultivate organizational success as well as just team success keep things fresh yeah, absolutely. And you know, bring some new people into the team and new ideas and different ways of working, maybe, from different places. Cool. Mm. Yes. Okay. What do you think of that? I think we're probably about ready to sum up. Who's summing up, Stephen? You haven't summed up for ages. Long live teams are good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like the uh, roulette, isn't it? Who's going to sum up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should uh, actually just have like one of those spinny wheels on the desk, and then like it should just point. It should. So, well, because I just closed all my notes. Um, long-lived teams are helpful because of the uh, cultural capital built up within the teams, because of the interpersonal yeah. relationship, because of the trust, yeah. the better effectiveness of that team that hold, essentially paid the price of learning to work with each other. We've talked about uh, owning code so it's preferable for a team to own the code that it builds in production so that we have a better mindset around uh, the type uh, of um, design that we use so that it will be more appropriate to uh, to maintain and uh, we have spoken about the value of uh, moving people between teams and of, of not expecting the team to be um, immortal yeah. Um, or at least not um, to uh, keep the same membership uh, for all time, but uh, to, 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 to still retain the, um, the, the team memories um, over time. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. That's, that's, that's pretty good, yeah. yes. Excellent. All right. I okay. don't feel it needed a summary because we were so clear the first time through. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Apart from when the lights went out. Anyway, that's... Uh, that's a wrap so um thank you and uh thanks for listening